available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12. Football. One of us is optimistic there's going to be a season. One of us says no way in hell. Will there you be a are season. such a weather vane. How are you optimistic again? I'm just I'm not really. But <laughs> David, I've been arguing off off. Uh, well, not really arguing a little bit off uh, off air. So I figured, why don't I just take a completely different stance than him and say college football is happening. Just behind the scenes, I basically just called Ryan a reactionary fascist off the air. So we're we're fired up and we are ready to go. Yeah. Uh, we are ready to go. So I'm going to try to be optimistic that there's going to be college football. And there was a little, I got a little debate going on that, uh, I watched some of the, um, news shows, the sports news shows this morning, the debate shows, they're not really news shows. I want to get David's thoughts on that, but there's some positive testing data that's come out through the PAC 12 different reports, uh, around the PAC 12 about what's going to happen when they release the schedule here within the next few days um the shift from hey what happened when we said there was going to be on-campus students to have football and now we're shifting away from that we got a book recommendation uh are media members rooting for the coronavirus to win there's all kinds of debates i want to get to yeah i want i put some notes in there for you bud and also uh have the miami marlins and Derek jeter sunk college football for good and made david side win we're gonna get to a bunch of those topics today so actual football-y stuff, maybe sort of coronavirus football stuff. But if you want to email us, uh, we did, just did a show on Thursday, so we don't have a lot of emails this week. Uh, we're doing this Monday. Pac12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, you can call us at 424-532-0678. We haven't had a voicemail in a while. Dave, we could use a voicemail or two. Leave us a voicemail. Maybe shoot I'll us a text. We get some text every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, leave a voicemail. So tell us all about your day. Tell us what and you want to hear about. If you're going to text us, could you just, I mean, I know it's fun, but could you just throw a little bit of identifying info besides your area code in there? Because we're yeah. not looking at our Google Voice account. We're just reading them off of our email account. So yeah. you really you really got to identify. And I know you might have texted us 400 million times. We're not 75 years old. We no longer <laughs> memorize phone numbers here. <laughs> um, so you got to you gotta just type your name in every time. Sorry. Yeah. Them's the Leave rules. It. Leave it there. Uh, you can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast or the website's Pac-12Podcast.com. Reddit Podcast of Champions. I have honest, all honesty, Dave, I haven't looked at the Reddit page for a while. How do we go? Are we doing anything over there? What do we got? I haven't looked at it in over a month. Yeah, that's probably so, bad. Uh, my bad. There was, oh, wow. Something posted six hours ago. Okay. On a Reddit page. Nice. Three days ago. Six days ago. Wow. People are posting all over. We should probably look at it. Just, you know. 
Uh, more importantly, of, there's a thread about me. Yes. Oh, I see. I should definitely look at that. That's good. Wow. Okay. Um, and also Apple Podcasts, any Apple device, if you have the Apple Podcasting app, five star ratings are amazeballs. That's what we want. You can do that. You can say you hate the show. Right in the description. These two are the worst. They don't talk about Pac-12 football. They don't know who the backup tackles are for all the schools. Write all that stuff. That's great. But leave us five stars. And it definitely helps us grow the show. You guys have been awesome as far as the reviews go. Just so smart. And uh, we we appreciate all of them. It's great to do. So uh, we appreciate you doing all of that. Yeah. Our contention is people don't read. So we're really getting the jollies out of the insults. But people are seeing the five stars. They're clicking in. And then... You've already wasted time on this show, right? You've already listened a bunch and you're like, this sucks, but I'm kind of locked in. I'm a completionist. I want to watch. I want to listen to this whole thing from start to finish until these two guys die on air. I get that. (laughs) But don't you want somebody else to suffer, too? Isn't there a little bit of schadenfreude that you want to experience somebody else's pain listening to this thing? Leave us a five star review. Explain all of that in the subject. They're not going to read it anyway, which is going to be their downfall. That is going to be their fatal flaw. They won't read it. They'll look at the five stars. They'll say, this is a show I should listen to. Then they start listening to it. They don't know what's going on, but they're locked in too. That's what we need. And, and that's well done. Dave, like you come, you don't usually come with fire when we're talking about like the, you know, the, the administrative stuff on the, the show and no. you brought it. No, you, you primed the pump. You primed the <laughs> pump before the show. And it's funny when we like, David, I definitely have different political views and I don't feel like I'm super strong one way or the other, but I'm just like, I like to listen to what he has to say because David's a smart guy and I always try to keep an open mind. And I think this last topic we were talking about, I was just sort of like, yeah, whatever. And I, it really sort of got David fired up. The, a little the, bit, the yeah, so. whatever got me fired up, fired yeah. up and ready to go. But for the most part, I, I think when we talk, I ask you your opinion and I, I like, I yeah. try to always listen. I'm not trying to be like this shut, you know, this closed-minded person or anything no i wouldn't describe you as a closed-minded person at all yeah but it was fun anyway, a fascist we got... reactionary maybe <laughs> closed-minded person certainly not so we got we got some fire coming into this one uh so it should be good and i think we got to start off with um the miami marlins and uh really the conspiracy there to down you still think college of as, you still you still call them the uh, florida marlins right like in your in your mind's eye. In my mind, I still call them the Florida Marlins. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that like Derek Jeter is in what is he, the GM there? What is I, I forget what's man. I, like I haven't really followed baseball in probably twenty years. I was watching a bunch of games this week because, you know, it was things that were on that weren't like the news or like I don't know, the worst show on Netflix, because that's where we are right now. Um and, and so I watched a lot of baseball and I and I realized I know like four players. Totally. Yeah, I don't. I don't know a bunch. I, mean, I watched some of the Dodgers games and stuff that was cool. I watched like some Yankees stuff. Just that whatever was on, like Fox and ESPN, they had different games. I watched them and everything. But if you're following along, you know, baseball's not doing a bubble. They had a chance to do a bubble, and I don't think the players' union went with it. You know, it's a it's a tougher sport. You got to travel a lot, which I think could be part of the problem. But on Friday, the Miami Marlins were playing Philadelphia. I think they had one player test positive. Then Saturday, they had three more. And then here's where the problem, and I know, David, you'll probably go off on this. They had a player vote, I guess a player text chain, like, do you want to play? We've had four people test positive. Not like, hey, here's Derek Jeter coming in and saying, dude, we have four positives. We have to stop. 
They didn't. They played again on Sunday. And now 14, I think it's like 12 players and two coaches or administrative people or whatever have tested positive. And so you know, we, this was breaking Monday morning. We're recording this Monday afternoon. Uh, the Marlins are supposed to travel home and have their home opener against the Orioles. That game's postponed or canceled, whatever you want to say. But they were in Philadelphia, and the Yankees are coming to Philadelphia to play uh, the Phillies, and that's not happening. They po- postponed that game. They got to, you know, they have to bring in the Yankees. You have to bring in their whole uh, away staff instead of using the people in the, for the uh, Phillies because all those people were exposed to the Marlins for three days over that weekend. So at this point, as of the time we're recording, I think only those two games have been postponed or canceled. But it's and and I read some of the reports, Dave, where they were looking over. Players are supposed to arrive like in stages instead of like everyone coming at once. And workouts are supposed to be broken out. And the, the one report I read, and I forget where it was from, they were saying that that wasn't really happening. They weren't really wearing masks in the in the dugout if you're not playing <laughs> and stuff. So, like, it seemed like my general feeling, Dave, is there was, like, a lax attitude and then a huge break. And then when you start to get a breakout, you could nip it in the bud and say, we got to cancel this game. Right. And they didn't. And the and real quick, the the – the great thing about college football that gives you optimism is that they're putting in flexibility. I mean, you're traveling once a week. There's going to be weeks open. For baseball, you're cramming in 60 games into, I believe, 66 days. So they might be a little more reluctant to like postpone a game where in college football, you could at least do that, give yourself a chance. Now, I don't know. But what are your overall thoughts on this? Well, working backwards. So as far as my understanding is, there is no postponement with this baseball season for exactly that reason. It's just cancel the game. Like they're not they're not going to do double headers or anything like that. There's not going to be real postponement. It's just going to be canceling, canceling, canceling. Um, So. I think uh, the NBA system seems to be, I mean, knock on wood, seems to be working the best because it is that bubble. They can kind of control it. But there are these things because. You're dealing with many hundreds, if not thousands of people who have um, different priorities, different criteria for safety, all these different things. And unless everyone is 100 percent abiding by stuff, you're going to have situations. Um, Baseball does not seem like it's been anywhere near as stringent as uh, basketball. But I mean, Lou Williams, that whole thing about him going to Atlanta and going to a strip club, get wings. Um, You know, who knows if he got coronavirus i don't think it's like you know you step yeah. outside and suddenly you ingest you know a full viral load but he has um, wings oh, on the menu there like named after him it's like right sweet, well like man's got a rep wings or some shit like that like crazy Look, i i, I respect it um but <laughs> I, he's making a personal choice but the end result is that that now puts other people at risk as well as himself um, with baseball, they're not being anywhere near as stringent um, with any of their policies, and it doesn't seem like they're actually abiding by the ones that they have in place. Um, if the Marlins are able to do a group vote on whether or not they're going to play, uh, they somebody in that organization, whoever instigated that or whoever abided by it, uh, doesn't even understand the situation um, because it's not simply do they want to play. It's also the team they're playing against. Do they want to play? knowing and knowing this information and it appears they didn't know this information. Um, so that's kind of two factors. Uh, but fundamentally, um, if 14 people in the organization, I think it's now what 12 players and two coaches. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. 
Uh, 14 players in the organization, or 12 players in the organization, that's of the 30 on the roster right now? Is that right? They have 30, and then I think they have like a like a side uh, side yeah, camp can. where you can, but there are a lot of players that don't have major league experience. I think they have like coaches in that sort of side camp thing too. But again, it's like really inexperienced players and coaches that they would have yeah. to bring in as replacement, like, you know, scrubs or whatever. So more than likely these guys are going to have to quarantine for a couple of weeks um, at hopefully that's all it is that they don't ever develop real symptoms and so on and so forth. Um, but they're not going to be able to play. I mean, really that team, um, for a while because they're going to have 12 of their key players out, if not more. I mean, we'll see who gets tested and who comes out positive in the next few days. Um, so that's a huge outbreak. I don't know if you looked at the comparisons with the Premier League because a lot of people are making analogies. Well, how did Europe, how were they able to have soccer with positive cases? It was like 20 over the course of like two months among all the teams that had a case come back. 20 not, individual. Not 14 in one weekend. Not one 14 team. on one team in one weekend. Like, we have uncontrolled community spread in like 30 states right now. It's just a completely different world. So it's a game effort, Major League Baseball. I love it. But there's going to be more of this. Like, and it's not, it's going to happen to the NBA too. Um, as controlled as they want to be, as bubblicious as they want to be, there's still going to be cases and more spread than you would imagine because it's just so prevalent right now. It's Bubble prevalent issues. as hell in Florida and it's prevalent as hell across the country. And we just need to, that's, that's the reality. There probably shouldn't be sports right now. I think there's some real realities to this country that make it so we're going to have them, but the NBA might have a chance to actually have meaningful games for every team and do their more or less their whole schedule. Major League Baseball, I'm having real doubts about it now. Um, the Marlins aren't going to be able to play for a while. Um, the Phillies might not play for a while. We'll see. I mean, this will be a great test case for that to see how much, you know, transference, um, how much infection there can be from playing a game against a team that's got people who are infected. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's baseball. It's outdoors. It's not a contact sport. There, there are certain circumstances that make you think, okay, maybe it won't transfer a ton, but this will be a great test case of that. Um, but if that happened to Florida, uh, Miami, whatever, then it could happen to the Dodgers. Um, it could happen to any of the, I mean, it could happen to any of these teams, but especially the teams in areas that are experiencing, you know, widespread uncontrolled community spread. So I'm not optimistic about baseball. Like, I don't think every team's. I don't think a single team is going to complete their 60 games or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I love that. That's a great point, though, that this is going to be. And if you read, uh, I think The Athletic did a story with Andy Staples and Bruce Feldman, how they you know, you're you're trying to learn from what's going on from the pro leagues. And you can learn a lot from Major League Baseball because there's similarities as far as number of players and travel and stuff. Uh, but the NFL, you'll learn the most because that's obviously the, the closest. But your point to. What are you going to learn that we knew on Sunday, 14 people from the Marlins organization were positive for COVID. If nobody from Philadelphia gets it, at least the protocols between teams and like the, the one time you are standing on first base next to the first baseman and the guy, you know, 
that you you didn't there's not enough viral load that you were going to catch it from them you know it's more about you were in the same dugout you were you'll in the know same, an instance thing. you'll know an instance is it enough data to make conclusions about probably not but you'll right. know in this instance there wasn't a lot of spread and you'll know that that's maybe not the primary concern the primary yeah. concern i think with any of this is within a single clubhouse if you have a little bit you're soon going to have a lot because think about a clubhouse you've been in locker rooms they're poorly ventilated. The carpets suck. Like, it's just all this stuff that, like, you're breathing in people's sweat constantly. Um, so if you've got that environment, no matter if you're wearing a mask or not, you're going to spread it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're playing against somebody in baseball, you might, you know, you might touch the same ball at some point. You might be standing next to somebody at first. But aside from that, I mean, tagging somebody out, you're not like... Yeah, I wouldn't think the viral, we don't, we don't know, but I don't think the viral load would be enough. I mean, there was, I think we talked about before, there was like a a thing in the LA times where two hairdressers tested positive. They didn't know it. Yeah. And so, and that's good. So like you knew like, Hey, they were a mask. They weren't around the people that long and it, it, it worked out. Okay. It doesn't mean that's foolproof. It doesn't mean if none of the Phillies players get it, it's foolproof, but you at least know the danger between, you know, Playing another opponent is probably less than someone going out in the community, getting it and bringing it into your organization where you are going to be close. It might not be a bubble, but you're going to be in close proximity to those people on your team more than anyone else. So, like, you have to protect your teammates. You have to protect your organization by making sure you're not exposing yourself. And I I would disagree on the – I think the bubble's going to work. I mean, they're pretty – I think inside the bubble, it seems like they treat it like they're not inside a bubble. So even if someone came in with it, it's probably going to be harder to spread. If you were just like inside the bubble going, once you're in the bubble, everything's fine. Everyone just start making out with each other. Uh, that would be one thing. But it feels like they're trying to prevent spread as like assuming they I'm have sure, it. And I'm sure. But there's going I mean, it's just it's too many people. It's still too many people. There's too much potential. I, yeah. I would I would bet strongly there's more Lou that Williams some, out there, right? There's like just there's there's going to be something and it, it doesn't have to be a big thing. And I'm not saying that the NBA is going to get canceled. I think Major League Baseball has a chance to get canceled. That's that's my information from this. My takeaway is there's a chance Major League Baseball does oh. not like make it past, you know, a couple weeks from now. I, I mean, it might even this week. Who knows? I mean, who you're knows? Right, like, we'll it, see how they react. Um, but the NBA I think they're going to have a season. I think it's going to happen in some form or facet. Will games get canceled? Maybe. Will guys get ill? Maybe. But I, I, I'm relatively confident in their plan that they're going to at least minimize the spread when it happens. But the fact that the Marlins <laughs> let half their roster <laughs> basically get ill uh, in a single weekend. I mean, I've, I've long been of the opinion that baseball is just generally the dumbest people in sports. <laughs> Um, and this doesn't like lead me to any like different conclusion. Um, so we'll see. We really will see. Did you ever see the movie? I keep thinking of this, uh, world war Z. Yeah. So I saw the book was different than the movie. Yeah. The book was like an epistolary, um, uh, like a Stephen Ambrose version of history. Yeah, it it was yeah. So you had the different point of views that they would uh, you know like they're telling the story. Stud circle these... would be the better analogy. Yeah, yeah. and it was I like the book, but I, yeah, I like the movie too. But it's funny. It seemed like wherever Brad Pitt went, like shit just fell apart. So they had their own bubble. It was somewhere. Was it Tel Aviv? It was in Israel, I believe. 
that they had the city. It might've been the whole country. I don't remember, but they had this huge wall around it and stuff. And Brad Pitt's flying around the country trying to figure out, you know, the virus and all their shit. And he, he lands there. And like, as he's landing there, learning about how they've kept everybody out and all this stuff, like the zombies make this like human tower. Yeah. yeah, Like the human tower. And then they break over. And then, so everything's fine inside. And then once, obviously one zombie comes in, then it's just, it wreaks havoc and stuff. Well, and the interesting thing is that whole World War Z thing, like the book, was essentially an analogy for infectious disease right down to having it originate in China. Like that was the whole analogy yeah. he was going for is like how to prevent essentially a devastating global pandemic. Here's what would happen, all this different stuff. Um, so it's just, you know, the the movie didn't carry a lot of that forward, but that bit of it, you know, how this infection would work is, you know, writ writ large. But this, uh, I, I think their plan is a little bit better. Major League Baseball, I, I, I think we'll see. Yeah, Major League Baseball, it seems like once it got into the Marlins organization, it was like the zombie spread where yeah, yeah. I don't feel like that would happen in the NBA, but who the hell knows, you know? And it, and, no, you know, it'd be it, like slow-moving zombies getting in in the NBA. Time is going to tell, though, because, like, I have a friend that's in there, um, you know, and it's, you know, there's some difficulties, you know, living your life that way. And especially for the players that are multimillionaires and they're used to being able to do whatever they want. Uh, you know, now they can't. And just after a month, you get tired of it. I mean, people got tired of shutdown after a month or two and, and then started to change their behavior. Like, are you going to see that? And does it, does that put the season in jeopardy? And I, I guess if you want to be positive, David, or some, look for some positive things here, you're looking at the Marlins thing being a cautionary tale, a one-off incident that if a college football player looks at that and goes, here's what can happen. You go to that frat party and you bring it back and you shut down, you might shut down the pack 12 or whatever. Um, so maybe like you can learn from it, but if this is like the first domino, then yeah, we're all screwed. Like there's, we're not getting the sports stuff. It's just going to ruin everything. But is it the one-off? And is it something that you learn from that, like, I don't think you should be asking college players to like alter their lives like this because they're not getting paid. But if they really want to play, they're going to have to like act like they're professionals at this, just like the NFL is going to have to do. I don't know how any of that's going to work, but if you want this season to happen, I think that's what it has to be, that this is one-off cautionary tale and everybody learns from it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how much success the NBA has. Um, I'm pretty optimistic with the NBA. I just think it seems like it's going to work, you know, but I, it was just cool watching sports. again. You know, it's like, Oh no, it wasn't. I, I sat you there and like I a, watched, I watched baseball and I remembered all the reasons why I don't watch baseball. Uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoy golf. So it was fun watching that. And that, that's probably not in too much danger. Yeah, but you've been, you've golf. been able to watch golf for a while. You can watch yeah. that crappy Tiger Woods, uh, Peyton Manning. Bullshit. I didn't see that one. I didn't get to see that. I was doing yeah. something, but um, all right, well, let's uh, get to some more pac 12 stuff. Our buddy, John Wilner updated his um, count as far as positive uh, tests go in the pac 12. So I think there's seven schools that will, uh, that are reporting and five that do not, like we talked about before. I know USC on Friday, they came out 120 new tests, zero positive. So that's pretty good. USC had 437 tests with seven positives. Arizona, 366 with three. Cal, 250 with eight. Washington State, 216 with three. Washington, 208 with six. Oregon State, over 200 tests, and they had three positives. Stanford, four positives out of 190. 
And right now the positivity rate's gone down uh, 1.8%. And, and Wilner notes that it's likely lower because many athletes have been tested more than once. So uh, pretty good news as far as, you know, there's at least the schools that we know about, they're doing their workouts. Now this isn't full team tackling with all that stuff, but they're keeping the numbers, you know, below what the national average is at least. Yeah, it is good. I'd love to know. I, I'd probably have to read the thing. What kind of tests are they doing? Are they doing just um, uh, the like the test that tests whether you have it right then, or are they doing yes. antibody tests as well? So the Pac-12 said they were going to be doing antibody tests once a week, but I haven't seen any any data on that. And it's weird because that's something I'd really be interested in. You know, like, hey, by the way. Of those, say there's 120 athletes that just got tested this last week at USC, none of them tested positive for the virus, but 30 of them have the antibodies. It's like, well, you you know that those guys, or you know, guys and gals have already had it. Uh, you know, does it? We don't know immunity or whatever, but that's interesting data to me. I haven't seen any of that at all out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is good. Um, obviously, hope it continues um, so these guys are healthy through the fall before the spring season starts, um, you know, at all these different schools that they just have a nice and healthy fall um, resting up for the start of the, uh, what, February, March season? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have it. Uh, there has been some, I've read some reports about, like, pushback for spring, that they want to try to do it in the fall, and that's why they're putting all the flexibility in. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. There's complete. I mean, there's going to be like bad scenarios or like, hey, we don't want this, but it's better than not having anything at all. So, but Wilner's column uh, focused in the beginning more about. Do you remember when everyone said, well, if there's no students on campus, there's no college football, and that seemed to go out the window. And I think what, and I they touched on this in the athletics uh, column today too with the, uh, um. Uh, with Bruce and uh, and uh, Andy Staples is that they sort of backed off some of that. And I, I think the quote from a Pac-12, not Pac-12, a, a Power 5 coach in the athletic story was about that you can justify things. So before you said that, you know, you have to have students on campus. Now you don't. Then they're like, well, we have to watch the pro teams and like, like the Marlins shut down the season. You could still ignore that because everyone's just focused on having a season. So I, I get some of that, but I feel Wilner talked about the justification being more about that. There's still going to be student stuff. There will be some students on campus. There's going to be you know, some labs, some performance people. They're doing things campus like library. There things will be open on campus. It's not just athletes that will be around. The majority of students won't be there, but there'll be some like there's going to be some part of the campus open. So that's part of the justification, I guess you could use And it. And it seems like schools or programs across the country, Dave, are buying into the fact like, hey, it's probably better not to have students on campus because then our athletes are less likely to get sick. So you sort of create a kind of bubble environment. But I don't know what you think about that shift in philosophy, if it makes sense to you or not. Uh, rearranging deck chairs. I think that's the analogy. Um, <laughs> they seem to have great ideas, uh, and then they're confronted with the actual reality of the pandemic that's ongoing in the background at all times, and that will make all these ideas seem untenable. On top of that, again, athletes, are they being consulted on any of this? Because we saw the liability question rear its ugly head towards the end of May and beginning of June when athletes started to say, hey, you know what? Uh, what about coming back? That doesn't seem like it might be safe. 
Well, now you've got the added concern where if students aren't on campus and athletes are, they're being and you can make whatever case you want that they are safer on campus than off. Um, it's all going to depend on how much they believe that um, yeah. and whether they believe that they are safer in an environment with 150 other people where they're practicing in a high you know, respiratory sport or at home with like four other people like they might put that together and say, Hey, maybe that actually isn't safer. Um, so, and it's all about for them, I think increased liability. And if the schools are smart, they're going to realize that even if the athletes don't realize that in the moment, um, there's going to be increased liability on their end. If they're exposing a certain group of students to additional risk, um, compared to other students. So I, we're going through the cycle, you know, three weeks ago, it was nothing's going to happen. And then everyone got bored with that and they decided, okay, well, things are going to happen now. Nothing has changed. If anything, things have gotten worse in the last three weeks, Yeah. but we're all just going to sit here. We're going to do the whole cycle again. Then it'll be two weeks from now and the season will be canceled. Um, it's just, unless something fundamentally changes where um, everyone goes in lockdown again or a vaccine miraculously comes out or there's a therapeutic that actually works or whatever, I, it's really hard to see. And I don't think there's going to be college football generally, but it's really hard to see a Pac-12 season. Yeah. Well, I would, so the 1.8% positive tests, I think that's a, that's a good, I mean, I think, at least in these environments where you're doing, you know, you're not practicing, but you're doing like team workouts. Um, there's a more controlled environment you're in, uh, you know, especially with the kind of socioeconomic backgrounds a lot of the players come from. There's probably, I, I think they are probably safer to be where they are right now. Could it, could you argue like during a season, would it be less safe? That That's probably possible. But I would say, even though you would only be around four or five people in your house, they're not going to have the same kind of controls around them. So I would, my, I, my guess would be right now, the players that are on campuses are safer. Um, it's, I don't. So it's, it's safer to a point, right? It's safer to a point until you get to the Miami Marlins point when somebody actually comes in and you have to then quarantine 12 guys because they were all in the same workout group and you find out that half of them got it. Um, yeah. It looks like the, these Pac-12 schools have not yet had that experience. But we just saw Michigan State have to cancel their workouts because of something like that. We saw yeah, Rutgers they've, have they've to had do a the pretty same. big, yeah, they had a pretty big one. They had a Miami Marlins type but, of, but thing but happened. it's not like this is a, it's it's essentially random, um, and you can't control perfectly a hundred and some odd student athletes or their coaches. You just can't, um, and especially at a school where you're not paying them, um, they're not going to be under lock and key. At every single moment. Um, so somebody's going to get it. They're going to introduce it into the team. And then you're going to have this situation. It's, you know, knock on wood that no Pac-12 team has had to experience it yet. But Michigan State and Rutgers just did. Um, whatever SEC schools had to do it. Um, Kansas had to do it. You know, there's all these schools that have had to do it at different points. Ohio State had to do it. They had to stop their voluntary workouts. Um, that's only going to happen more frequently. And it's just... The, the risk for doing it with a bunch of unpaid athletes who aren't getting any real benefit from this except the opportunity to play a sport uh, seems to be way too high for the game. 
but yeah. we'll see. It's a good point. And we don't know, uh, Oregon, Arizona state, Utah, Colorado, um, and UCLA have all not produced any data. So there could have been some kind of outbreak there. We probably would have heard about it, I guess, but, uh, we don't know about their testing schedule because they haven't they haven't released any data. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see, and I don't know if we ever will. Um, but yeah, and so as far as the Pac-12 schedule goes, as we talked about before, we should know something by the end of this week. As far as what the schedule is, I think uh, Stadium might have produced what they the the plan to have ten conference games, and then each school which team they would play like. And, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of figure out because every school only misses two, um, you know, two programs. So it's going to be one or the other. And if you have four home games and five row games, you got to pick up a home game and vice versa. So it all has to work out like USC and Washington State were supposed to be added. So the Trojans would only miss Oregon State. Um, but basically, the plan was to have 10. We should know by the end of the week. And, and I know the schools are waiting on when the schedule is going to start. And I think Wilner reported probably the, the 19th of September um, because then that's, you know, when you can start fall camp and the later you delay the start of fall camp, the more you can watch the NFL, the more you can watch major league baseball and kind of see before you jump all in. Cause once you start having camp, that's everybody together tackling all that stuff. Now you're in it. And I feel like, David, this seems to be like they're waiting a little bit to you want to delay that as much as possible, because once you commit like that, if 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 shit doesn't work, you're pretty much done. So I think they want to gather gather as much data as possible. And then but we we should know this week when it'll start for sure. And then when camp will start and then we'll know by then, like, hey, things have to get real serious at this point because you're really going to be football's not a social distance sport. You're going to have to be practicing with each other and the potential for a Miami Marlins situation is, you know, a much higher in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting choice to start up and we'll see if they do. Um, Pete Thamel reported today. Also, uh, he tweeted a few things. I'll, I'll read it for you. Pac-12 expected to decide on its football schedule this week, which we, we knew the starter camp is a big looming issue as some schools are prepared to start and some are handcuffed because of local COVID restrictions. I think a lot of the California schools where they're not allowed to do things indoors right now, uh, there's already a sense that uh, preparation time won't be equitable. Further complicating the league's decision is that camps could run into the start of classes. Some schools are on a quarter system, September start, and others are semester, which is mid-August. Once classes begin, camp is limited to 20 hours. That could hurt the semester schools. So could be an inequality there where if you're in semester school, even though you didn't really have any camp, once class starts, you you can't have much of a camp. And he also said the Pac-12 AD spoke on Monday. The goal for the Pac-12 this week is to find a model that all schools are comfortable with. And I think Stuart Mandel tweeted, like, you got this global pandemic going on. And you're worried about, like, who gets more practice time. Like, it just seems like a silly thing to worry about. But if you're going to play, like, you want that to be equitable, I guess. But. I don't know. It's a little weird, but that's that's what I mean, it's another it's another, you know, stupid thing for us to talk about for the next couple of weeks before we decide <laughs> to cancel the season. So I'm all for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is silly. I mean, the thing is, you're not going to have equal practice time during the season either, because there are teams that are going to have to quarantine for different periods of time. Like, it's just there's going to be all kinds of inequities. So if you're actually going to go forward with a season, you just have to build that into the 
calculation, um, yeah. which is just, this is going to be a weird year. Um, you know, if the season actually goes forward, there's going to be teams that miss games. There's going to be teams that miss practices. There's going to be teams that miss half their players and have to forfeit a game or are down 10 of their players. And it's not as if they get an asterisk next to that game result. It's just, there's going to be weird stuff. Um, if the season actually goes forward, but talking about all that weird stuff, that's why this season probably isn't going forward because all those things are likelihoods. Yeah, they are. And I think that's what gives cultural ball a chance is that flexibility is built in. At least they've recognized that baseball, not a lot of flexibility, uh, not a lot of time where football, even NFL. I mean, you got that one travel, you know, you're traveling once and, uh, you know, you can do it that day. I think you can make some limitations on what you do. And if if something happens in the locker room over the weekend, like you don't have to worry about the Yankees coming in the next day, you have a week before another team comes in at least. So there's some there's some advantages to the football stuff and only playing once a week. But obviously, there's a lot of uh, disadvantages, too. Um, one last thing I had for you, Dave. I know you're probably sick of hearing about this. But I, so I turn on the TV this morning. Because I saw on Twitter the Marlins stuff. And I threw on ESPN. It was like, get up. I don't usually watch a lot of those shows. But I started watching the commentary shows, you know, the opinion shows. And apparently get up was talking about, like, the Jamal Adams trade from the Jets to uh, to Seattle. But by the time I tuned in, this had broken. And it was all about talking to all the MLB experts about the Marlins asking NFL people how this impacts, you know, closing the season down and can the NFL even play? This is blah, blah, blah. This is the end of everything. So it was a little doomy and gloomy. Uh, and I start, started watching the next show, same sort of thing. And I switch over to Fox and their talk shows and full disclosure, like I watched them with Colin Coward, who's a friend of mine. Um, I mean, I don't even think for, I didn't watch the whole thing of, of, of any of them, but it wasn't like they weren't even mentioning it. Like they went right in the Jamal Adams stuff. They were talking like sports. Um, like the trades or whatever was going on, uh, the Knicks hiring Thibodeau, whatever, you know, stuff like that. And it just seemed to me, I tweeted this out. It was like, and some people were like, oh, it's an agenda. I don't know if it's really an agenda, but it's more of like a strategy, right? Where Fox is saying like, hey, we're going to try to be positive. We're going to talk about sports. And ESPN was like, hey, this could take down sports. We're going to talk about it this way. I don't know if you saw any of that or watch it, but it just, it was kind of weird that you had two different networks and there was definitely a director from the top saying, hammer this or don't hammer this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't watch any of that stuff. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, that's no secret. Um, I, I think Fox, I, I don't want to get like politically political here. Um, but they're not going to be invested in talking about, um, the reality of the coronavirus pandemic, um, which is like, obviously impacting sports and it's obviously the biggest story in sports this year because it canceled all of them so any new development in that pandemic requires coverage um and i don't know yeah i mean you you tuned in for a little bit so that's not to say yeah i don't want to be unfair Uh, they might have and i just missed but it just there was definitely a general sense that this network was like front and center that we're covering it. And this other network was more of a back burner thing. I mean, know? as a, like from like a journalistic angle, I think it's, I mean, and uh, the way I talk about this, you can tell my opinion on the whole thing. It's the biggest story in sports because it potentially is going to cancel a lot of them again. Um, so any new development in it is, 
probably the biggest news story of the day in sports, um, especially something as big as the Marlins in opening weekend, basically having to cancel the next week or two of their season because yeah. they don't have anybody healthy. So I buy that. Um, I know there's like all kinds of stupid commentary about the whole thing from like your boy, Clay Travis, uh, among others, a he bunch not, of, he's not my boy, but a okay. bunch of real idiots, um, in the space who are either grifting or just stupid. Um, <laughs> nobody is rooting for a virus. Nobody is rooting for the coronavirus. Some people are dealing with the reality as it stands, not casting any judgments about it, not even saying, oh, this thing is more serious or less serious than the flu, though, of course, it's more serious. Just the reality as it stands is that it has canceled several sports. It's going to cancel more games, if not seasons. And that's just the reality. It's not a rooting for, rooting against, whatever. Nobody wants this thing to continue. I want to send my kids back to school. Everybody wants this thing to get back to normal. It's just dealing with the reality of the situation, which is that it's not normal. It's not going to be normal for a while. That's it. That's yeah. all. And Did it's you... just grifting nonsense stupidity, fighting a stupid culture war that's been going on for 15 years, if not longer. It's so stupid, and it's painful to watch. It is painful. I hate when people say stuff like that. Um, but I, I think where it comes from, and we see this on our message boards, is that people make a declaration, whatever it is, like that five-star guy is going to be a bust. Okay? You want to be right. Everybody wants they to want be right. They want to be right so bad but that they would being- root against their team. Yeah. They'll root like, and they'll come up with excuses why that the guy like is an All-American. And you're like, yeah, but he was five stars. He should have been a first-round draft pick. He got, you know, like they want to be right so bad that it's, it, it's like you're rooting for it. Like you're rooting against what really should be the thing. And I feel like sometimes people are trying to convince everyone well, it's you just, need to take this more seriously. And and they, they go so far and it's like, God, you even, I, I get where people are saying that. I don't think people are rooting for it, but there's that sense. We see it all the time on the message boards that they want to be right above all else. Well, I think there's a punditification of everybody. Like the democratization of the internet has made it so that everyone believes that their opinion matters. Um, and not just that their opinion matters, but their, their opinions can now be vocalized and extended to so many different people that they then feel ownership over those opinions that I don't know that I'd love to go like read a sociological, sociological experiment about this. Just like what, how did this change? Like, do people have stronger opinions now because they're able to vocalize them to more people at one moment? And then you're just inherent inability to back down from something then makes it so that you're just stuck to it forever. I think there is an element of that. Um, but look, the whole world is an internet argument. I think we've talked about that before on the show that like a big part of the problem with everything going on is that everything is an internet argument. Everything is trolling and counter trolling dudes like your boy, Clay Travis, um, dropping, dropping like Corona bros or uh, talking about people rooting for the virus. He is trolling. Like that's the main thing he's doing, which puts people's backs further up because they're like, no, that's not what it is. You idiot. It's this. Um, It might sound like people are just stuck to their opinions, but in this one, like in any other situation, maybe it's one way or the other. In this one, there is the objective, the objective truth 
is that this virus has canceled a bunch of sports. There's still very much a considerable amount of doubt about what sports, if any, are going to continue to go the rest of the year because of this very real virus that is very it's obviously worse than the flu. Like all of these, these things are just obvious truths now. Um, so to continue to contend that it's not something serious to be dealt with and that the people in opposition to you are in fact rooting for that virus, that that's the only val- valid option for those people. They couldn't possibly be just dealing with reality in a way that's um, maybe a little bit more in touch than yours. That's just internet trolling. That's what he is doing. That's what a lot of these people who are claiming that people are rooting for the virus are doing. They're just trolling, which is fine. I like trolling back and forth. I just wouldn't necessarily do it about a pandemic that's killed 150,000 Americans. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know if all of it's trolling. I think sometimes there are. Well, the I think people- his is a grift. I mean, his is he, he's grifting. I don't even know how much he believes any of it, but he knows that a huge portion of his audience does. And he wants to continue to make money from them. I mean, I, he's basically just trying to do barstool sports and grift on the same angle. I, I, am I the only person? I've never think I've read a single thing Neither from barstool sports. I, I, I don't know. I was first introduced to it like two years ago, and it's not for me, bud. But the like, so there are. I think there's going to be extremes on both sides, and you you see the person that's like when I would tweet out or whatever, like, hey, you know, I I did a test, no symptoms. I delivered my meals, so I wanted to get a test, and I, I was negative. But like, yay. The people that come on to my feed and tell me, that doesn't mean anything. You gives you a soft sense of security. Like, I think those are the kind of people that, like, to me, that's like, man, are you like, I, I didn't say that I'm immune now that I took a negative test. Like, those people seem to be like, I need to show everyone how serious this is, so everything's awful. And that I think, I don't say they're rooting for it, but it's like, they're trying to prove a point, so... Anything you say that's not remotely negative, you're giving people the wrong feeling. So that's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I do. That I do. And I think to that sort of thing, I think um, the people who are respond, I, I think the people who responded to you with that are, are, look, there are many stupid people on all sides. What was the Trump line? <laughs> many fine people on all sides. There are many stupid people on all sides. Um, <laughs> and there are many people, I think, who are um, approaching this uh from traditional tribal uh you know not traditional tribal that'd be a bad word for it um from uh locked in standpoints right where they're just like oh well anything that could potentially minimize this like you having a negative test is a bad thing which that's stupid i mean you need to go get a negative test and it's fine that you post about it because you're going to go deliver some stuff to old people um that's totally valid and good. Um, but people, you know, who are arguing in bad faith, like, uh, again, you're not boy, not your boy, <laughs> play Travis. Um, those ones they're, they're arguing in bad faith and you know, you need to kind of shut them down at all angles. Um, now is it worthwhile? Probably not, but, um, no, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of stupidity to go around on this thing. I think the, the, fundamentals though that this is a serious thing that is continuing to be a serious thing for the foreseeable future until there is something that will actually knock it down to not such a serious thing which would be either 
uh, therapeutic, a vaccine, a new lockdown that actually, you know, is a nationwide lockdown for four to six weeks that actually, you know, knocks this down to something like European levels of hundreds of cases, not 65,000 a day. Any of those in order or one at a time, whatever, um, would knock it back down to something that we can then deal with on a, you know, whether there's a risk to be taken here or there standpoint. But you, I, I, I feel like I'm just taking crazy pills all the time because I'm hearing people say, <laughs> well, if Europe can have sports right now, why can't we? Well, Europe has like a cumulative total of like 2,000 cases across the entire continent today. The United States has like 60,000. Just no, it's a different thing going on. We yeah. have uncontrolled spread. Every other country kind of figured it out in Europe. We didn't, and we still need to. Once we do, yeah, sports. If we were at like 50 cases a day in California, I'd be saying, wow, it's crazy that anyone's even talking about college football not happening. But we're at what, 10,000 a day in California? You can't have college football. When a chance of a gathering of 100 people that you might have somebody with coronavirus is like, oh, yeah, 75 percent chance. Like you just can't. So I, I don't know. It's it's all it's all very silly. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. So the ability like for me, I've I don't usually have a problem. I'm wrong a lot. I, I admit when I'm wrong and. I've the, never been wrong. Yeah, actually, see, you're part of the problem. So, so like the people that won't ever admit it, like I was going to do a like a social experiment because, you know, USC fans hate Clay Helton. And if I gave you like two options, like, hey, it's a weird college football season, uh, but USC ends up winning the Pac-12, which is feasible. Um, there's a bunch of cases in the SEC, so they, they're not going to be a strong coming in the playoff. USC wins the national championship this year. But that means you get Clay Helton gets another couple years on his contract or something. Like, would fans forego an actual national championship because their hatred for the coach, they would much rather him not win than their team that they grew up rooting for or whatever wins a title? Like, what do you think that there would, that would, that should be unanimous, right? If you were a USC fan, you're like, yeah, win the national championship. Um, but it would not be unanimous. No, I don't think it would be. I mean, that's always where I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, I, I get, um, I like to root for, uh, teams. I like to lose sometimes, you know, <laughs> you know that about me. Um, and, uh, but I would always stop short at that point, right? You gotta, at some point you gotta say, okay, well you gotta, you gotta win the title. I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah. It's not um, like a PAC 12 title. You're like just like what like, long game, what long game are you, title. what long game are you playing at that point? Like right. the whole thing the whole goal is, oh, you want the coach fired. I mean, let's be real. That's what you want. You want the coach fired so that the team will be better and potentially win a title, right? Yeah. So if they if they just move past that and they win it, look, you can get right back to rooting for him to lose again the next year when they look bad again. But you won a title, right? The only justification could be, well, but we'd only win one and then we'd be terrible for seven years after that. So we'd, so I'd rather like rebuild now and have a chance to win multiple times. I can, that's like the only thing I could think of, you know, but yeah, the whole goal is to win a title. I'm handing you that, but I'm, I'm saying you have to keep the coach. Yeah. And, there's, I mean, there's a psychological thing going on there because it, the enjoyment is not necessarily in the sport at that point. The enjoyment is in the conversation around the sport. Um, and so, and this might, I mean, 
we have internet eyes, we have message board eyes, so much of the world that there is some element of that with most things. And maybe there is with, I mean, some small element of people like, hey, yeah, I want to, <laughs> I want this thing to go bad now because I want to be right about it. Um, but for the most part, I think people are just calling it as they see it. Yeah. Um, so anyway. It's it's weird where they just, they just dig their heels in and. I see the people saying like, Hey, never apologize. And I kind of get that. Like usually kind of screwed. If you apologize anyway, just don't say something dumb to begin with, but there's gotta be a point where, so your boy, Clay Travis, you keep mentioning mm-hmm. he's, he's saying, you know, the Marlins thing, this is isolated incident, blah, blah, blah. They're being dumb. So say like, you know, a whole bunch of teams get it and they, they have to shut down the season. Um, major league baseball season. Like, does he go back and did, would he ever come out and say, no, yeah, we're wouldn't. just not gonna be able to do sports. No, but, like but, you have to no, like, he, no, he, that doesn't matter. And it's like it's so weird. Like at some point you just have to say, yeah, this is screwed. We can't do this. Well, that's you know, the like, thing with that's the thing with our collective boy, Clay Travis, is <sighs> he's been wrong at every juncture of this stupid thing. And at no point is there any sense of, oh yeah, I was wrong about that. It's just no, it's it's just a grift. It's just continuous. I mean, yes, of course you should occasionally apologize about stuff that you get wrong. Like, and especially if you get it wrong because of bad intentions. I mean, look, I don't buy the never apologize for stuff thing. I mean, yeah, you should sometimes. Um, Now, if you've done enough bad stuff that your first apology is definitely not going to be your last in the next, like, week or two, then maybe you should rethink your life. Um, But if you've got one thing to apologize for, then apologize for it. Who cares? Um it's just most of the people who end up doing that on the internet are not people with one thing to apologize for. They've got a lifetime of accomplishments to apologize for. Plenty of things to apologize for. All right. Well, why don't we uh, take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, get some uh, interaction from the listeners back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Like I said, we don't have a lot of questions. Um, we just talked for a long time, though. We did, and I thought that was, that was a, good, though. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was a lot of journalistic, you know, staring up your own butthole type deal, but it was fine. I think. I mean, the reason I tuned in this morning to the, some of the talk shows is because okay, that's big news. I want to hear what people have to say. Some people are saying like this is going to shut everything down. Some people are saying like no, it's not. You know. You just want to hear opinions and people, I don't know if they trust us, but they listen to us. So 
we're going to give our opinions of what you know. What I wouldn't it all trust means. us. No, I wouldn't either. No. Um, speaking of people not to trust. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. Uh, but our audience is good, actually. And, we love uh, our audience. We got a recommendation on Twitter from Sparky's roommate. So I guess I didn't know Sparky had a roommate. Maybe hopefully they're being socially distant. They're keeping there. But this is the book. How to Fight Presidents, Defending Yourself Against the Badasses Who Ran This Country. So it was, uh, this came out in 2014, uh, but some of the excerpts are about, you know, Andrew Jackson, when he was a prisoner of war, had to walk several miles barefoot across state lines while suffering from smallpox. He had a serious head wound when he refused to polish the boots of the soldiers who had taken him captive. And he was 13 years old at the time. So we did have, you know, back in the day, we did have some badass dudes that were the president. Uh, so I think this is going to be telling some of those stories. So I'm looking forward to this. I already ordered it uh, on my Kindle, so I will start reading. I don't know if you've seen this one before. I have not. I have not. You'll have to tell me how it is. I will definitely tell you uh, how it is. So I think there's probably some good, you know, and we, we've we had that topic come up on the show, right? Some uh, some of the, the presidents who were like ass kickers in the day, in their day. Oh, yeah. I know Daniel O'Brien. He was uh, he wrote for crack.com. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's good. So one of the reviews was it's a 200 page, uh, cracked article. So I don't know, but they like, it seemed like the people like the book. I do re- appreciate the recommendation and that'll be more fun than reading like a A to Z history of all the presidents. Like I'm just going to read some of the cool stories of some of the shit that they did. So I'm looking forward to that. Fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, Should I read uh, David's email? Sure. Yeah. This is from David from Orlando. Uh, Five-star pod. Ryan and Dave, I love listening to your informative banter, whether it's Pac-12 football related or otherwise. As an Android user, your five stars are here in the subject line. Uh, With Ryan doing so much hiking lately, my question for both of you is, what are your favorite national parks that you've been to or plan to visit? Keep up the good work. David from Orlando. What a great question. That is great, David. Uh, I think I've only been to one. Oh, my I, God. I believe it was the, what's the one up near Fresno? Um, Sequoia? No. Uh, what is it? Oh, crap. Uh, Yosemite? Yeah, Yosemite. Oh, my God. Did you say the one near Fresno, Yosemite? Is that right? Yeah, but it's like, oh, okay. Anyway, sorry. No, that's just, <laughs> you can't call Yosemite the one near Fresno. You drive through Fresno to get there. Just call it, oh, you know, the most popular one in the country. The yeah. best one. The one with all the cool granite rock and trees and stuff. The one that's the most idyllic atmosphere in the world. That one. They had some big trees, like oh brownwood trees or something, I think. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think that's the only one I've been to. But how, how, have you been to a bunch? Uh, Yeah. Um, Yosemite's definitely... Um, one or two. I mean, the crowds aren't ideal, um, though. Actually, my brother lives in Bishop and he apparently just went um, on permit um, because they're only letting a limited amount of people in the park. And he said it was awesome because th- it wasn't crowded for once. And Yosemite, when it's not crowded, is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Yosemite's great. You should do it, Ryan, um, when it's back open. And you should do now that you're a hiking man, you should do Half Dome. Uh, okay. You have to get a permit. But that is a cool as hell hike. Um, 
it's basically you go on top of a big granite rock formation at the end of it. You basically to get up to the top of it, you've got to do cables um, where you're still walking, but you have to hang on to cables because you're going at like, a I don't know, 40 degree incline the entire way up. Wow. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, done that one a couple of times once overnight, uh, just drove up from L.A., did it and then drove right back down without sleeping and then tutored the LSAT that night. I don't think that that student got what they paid for. <laughs> um, so Yosemite's really cool. Uh, Zion is up there for me. Um, that one, if you, another really, really, really cool hike is the Angels Landing hike. Okay. Uh, which again, you're doing cables at the end of it um, because you're getting out onto basically like a spire um, that gives you this basically panoramic view of the valley you're in. Um, but Zion's gorgeous in another way. It's got kind of the deserty, but still kind of green. Um, looks like, I don't know, uh, the, the paradise at the end of land before time. Um, you can understand the narrows, why they, right? Like the narrows, yeah, narrows are cool there. too. That's a different hike, but that's a really cool one too. Um, where you can, that's walk on my between. list. I definitely want to go there. So yeah, Zion, there's a lot of really cool hikes. Um, those are probably my top two. Um, there's a bunch of other good ones. Uh, Yellowstone, I thought was kind of disappointing. Um, Grand Canyon is cool just to see. Oh, I've been there. Uh, is that a national park? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, no, I, I hiked in the Grand Canyon for like four days. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But yeah, Yosemite or Zion are probably my two. Nice. All right. Well, who is that? David? Uh, thanks, David, from Orlando for that one. And we'll check it out. Zion's been like, since I've been hiking, people have told me about Zion. So I've wanted to do that. Um, and I did have it like Grand Canyon was awesome. Like four days of hiking and just sleeping in the wilderness and stuff was, it was really neat. And the fact that you knew you were down there and it was like, it wasn't foolproof. Like there were people that were like struggling to get like, they were, they could die, you know, kind of thing. Like they were doing it right. They didn't get permits. They were just, you know, they didn't have the water all that stuff. It was serious. So I, I felt like you were, there was like a sense of accomplishment there, but you bring everything in, you bring everything out and they just, you don't see anything that's human made for so long. It was cool. Yeah. Wait, have you not done death Valley? I have not done death Valley. No. Oh, okay. Is that a national well, park too there? Yeah. Death Valley is a national park. It's more of a drive around and check things out. Um, okay. but Sequoia and Kings Canyon also, if you're not, um, again, for time for when times are normal again, uh, Sequoia and Kings Canyon, it's a little bit less crowded. Then Yosemite, you get still some of the same sort of Yosemite feel. Not exactly the same, but you get some of it. Um, but yeah, you can do Sequoia and Kings Canyon. It's also not quite as far. I don't know if this is going to be like an unpopular take, but obviously the this pandemic sucks. The quarantine sucks. All this stuff sucks. We don't like it. But there are some benefits where like traffic isn't as bad. You mentioned yeah. like you get a you get the permit to go to Yosemite. It's better. Uh, I mean, golf courses are way better because there's less people out there. Like it's, it, you're not waiting as long. I've gone fishing a couple of times on a big boat that's meant for like 70 people and they only put like 13 on it. Um, there's some cool stuff where it's like you have a little bit more space, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that terrible? Is that a terrible thing? To say? I don't think it's terrible. I think it speaks to, um, I mean, look, I could, I could get you on board with a few different initiatives now. Because, like, look, if you really figured out public transportation, you could have that no traffic all the time, you know? 
I'm, I do like public spirit. I mean, I've not, I've, you know, when I go to Europe, like it's great just to be able to hop on the train and go somewhere. Yeah, I don't know if we only, could do the it. The only now. way to do that is when you start concentrating housing, do some public housing, do some infill housing. Like you got to do a lot of different things. Yeah. And LA's just not set up for that. Like we're so spread out. It's just like, yeah, but it was kind of what came first there, you know? They, yeah. the, car, the car manufacturers had a big role in how LA ended up getting laid out. Yeah. Well, now we're a car city. I don't know how, how you know how we... we could figure it out. All right. Put our brains together. We can figure out anything, Ryan. We we're pretty smart dudes. Or I was at one point. I think my brain is atrophied. Uh, this is from Hitler Day, Antietam. So I guess we're going back to uh, our Civil War talk. I guess so. Uh, last week, uh, Joseph. Dasovic wanted a ranking of backup offensive tackles in the Pac-12. Uh, naturally, you boys took a page from McClellan's playbook and punted on first down. <laughs> but I'll run it back. So we're really going to get this. We're going to. Oh this. yeah, we are. I love this. Uh, and McCle- what's Mc- McClellan wasn't really a punt on first down kind of guy. He was just more of a. Yeah, let's wait till the fourth quarter to make a move. Sort of thing. Was he more yeah, like I that? would say three yards in a cloud of dust. Um, Beamer bowl? No. He got a little, yeah, maybe like rely on special teams. Like, oh, let's wait it out and see. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Stanford's 2020 backup uh, tackles, Rouse and Bragg, and Oregon's uh, Tenano and, and Jeremilo, or Jeremilo. Uh, I forget how they say it. It's, uh, the, You're doing uh, great. Yeah. Or four stars. Multiple years in the system. Lots of backup playing time. So they're the top two schools. So he's gone with Stanford and Oregon. Okay. Washington's in third place. They have several four-star tackles to choose from as backups, but they're freshmen, and we haven't seen them. Plus, Scott Huff's a poor developer, so he's not mm-hmm. high. A little, little bias there. A little bias maybe, there. Maybe, maybe. Uh, UCLA and USC are next because they nope. have an idea. Nope, nope. Who nope. went back you, you up? Invalidated, you invalidated your take right there, Hitlerday. Yeah. is trying to figure out who their starting left tackle is. UCLA um, may have two tackles, but they certainly don't have three. Gotcha. Uh, it says, so they have an idea of who one backup is, but the other is far from certain and the talent is middling. But yeah, you, I mean, USC is probably moving their guard out to tackle. He's really good, but like he's never played left tackle. So to know their backup situation, I would think their, their front up situation is so good. Uh, Utah's tough to figure out because they have some four, uh, high four star guys or high three star recruits and four star guys. They haven't taken the field, and virtually all their top guys were recruited as guards, not tackles. So we don't know who'll slide outside. Arizona gets special mention. While the talent's not great, they had to play 11 linemen last year due to injuries and return almost all of them. So they know their backup plan. That's a good point. And the rest of the league is going to struggle to put five warm bodies on the field, and their backup tackles might be, uh, might as well be the mascots or cheerleaders. Thoughts? None. Absolutely none, except that UCLA has maybe two tackles. Yeah, USC. They, they have two, Sean Ryan and Jake Burton, but the the backup situation is mm, mm, no. And I think we see that in college a lot. Like Utah has a bunch of guards. USC recruited more guards and tackles. You move guys around. Like Elijah Vera Tucker, PFF had, I think, as the top guard in the, the conference last year or something. But he's probably moving out the tackle. Probably be fine, but you don't know. But then we see that more in college, so it's, I think it's a difficult situation to to address there, especially when teams are trying to figure out who's starting. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, thanks, Hitler Day, for that one. All right, this is from uh, Hugh Janus. 
Hi, Ryan and Dave. Your good pal, Hugh Janus, again. I'm kind of annoyed with you two. For the second time on the show, you made the mistake last week of thinking I, Hugh Janus, and Hitlerday are the same person. We are not. I am the one, the only, Hugh Janus. He's a duck. I'm a Bruin. I still love you, but please don't make that mistake again. Forever yours, Hugh Janus. P.S. If you want to verify that I am not Hitlerday, you can ask my friends Howie Feltersnatch, Jenny Talia, and Justin Myrear to confirm. Nice. Well, thanks, Hugh. My, our mistake. I, our, yeah. I don't. I would never wish to offend. The, you know, the emails between Hugh and Hitler Day are back to back. Yeah. Now they were hours apart, but I feel like days, it was a, actual days apart. Were they days? Yes, days. Yeah. So I feel he did that on purpose, just to like throw us off the scent. And I yeah. will say, so it, so our last series of emails, Hitler Days came on July nineteenth. Our man, Hugh Janus, came the next day. Today, we got the one from Hugh Janus, July 27th. Yesterday was Hitler Day. Oh. Follows a pattern. That's all I'm saying. A little bit of a pattern. All right. Well, we'll see. A um, little bit of a pattern. Next Zoom call, we have to have both Hugh and Hitler Day come on. When are we doing it? I don't know. When should we? When, are we... when should we Zoom it? When should we go Zooming? Maybe next week sometime. Maybe we, we do it. What do you want to do? Like a Thursday again? Like a Thursday evening? Maybe a Thursday. Maybe a Wednesday. What do we want to do? <sighs> I know. It's a tough call. Yeah. Should we ask for feedback or we just have to pick a thing? I mean, look, if, if you want to make, uh, if you want input on this feel free to provide it listeners out there we're going to make a call by the end of this week so you decide yeah we report you decide we decide well somebody's somebody's going to decide i don't know if it's going to be you i don't know if it's going to be us (laughs) but there will be a decision made maybe we can tweet it out too like hey zoom call next week what you know thursday wednesday night thursday night what works for you guys i think that's probably right i think we can tweet it out okay and what you know if you're listening to this and you uh, and you want to know thoughts on it, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Provide us the information. Then, if you want to know how you can come to our Zoom call, you just have to follow the Twitter. I like it. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, thanks everyone for sending in the questions and for the topics and all that stuff. And uh, thanks for the book recommendation, Sparky's roommate. Appreciate that. So I will uh, try to read some of that this weekend. Going to get a. I head to Catalina, Dave. I'm going to get away and do a little camping. So I think social distant camping. I can bring my little Kindle with me and read it at night. So Are you uh, going solo? Be... Is this a solo camp? Uh, just a couple friends. So it should be okay. good. Yeah, it yeah. should be socially distant. We'll be in individual tents. So oh, Okay. You guys aren't going to bunk up? No bunking up. Individual tents. And uh, they have limited load boats going over there and stuff. So um, sharing, Not sharing sleeping bags? No. No. <laughs> Unless like a bear attacks us, we're we're I don't hopefully not. Um, yeah, but it should be fun. I haven't been to Catalina for a while. I like uh, I like going there. Do you go over there much? Or have you been there? Or? Never been there in my life. Oh, I think we talked about this. Never. That's that's crazy. Not once. Yeah, I don't know. It's got it's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm sure um, it is. There's a good hike if you go to Parsons Landing. So you can. It's about eight miles, I think. But you you camp on the beach from two harbors and, uh, but you got to bring everything with you. So it's like, basically you put a pack on and, and bring all your stuff, 
but the, there's only eight campsites and they're right on the, the, the sand. So it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But yeah, we didn't get that this time, but you know, should be good. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap things up. Did you feel, you feel better after doing the show? Did you get out some aggression or? I, I feel or? great. I felt great beforehand. I felt even better after we spoke before the show. And now I feel right as rain. I feel good. Yeah. Couldn't be better if I tried. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I feel like now we have to pay attention to what's going on because like, I mean, shit could hit the fan, right? Like at any moment, like anything could happen. We are living in the time when anything can happen. Yeah. And it Which will, is, everything will happen. Everything will happen. There's going to be, yeah. That, people were talking about this morning being like the Rudy Gobert moment. Like, do you remember, can you remember back to the middle of March or March 13th or whatever that was? When the NBA canceled its season. Yeah. And you're just like, did that just happen? Yeah. Um, and obviously all the dominoes that fell after that, when like conference championships were canceled and all this stuff. And it was just sort of like, holy crap. Like it just, it was like life changing, you know? Yeah. It has been life changing. Life yeah. ruining in some. For, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so, yeah, so we'll see if this Marlins thing ends up being like a Rudy Gobert moment or just like a. a I don't think it will be, not exactly. Um, but I think if more dominoes fall, then it could be. You yeah. know, like I think it's going to take a little bit more than one team getting it bad. But if there's another team that has something similar happen this week, then yeah, I think all bets are off. Or if the Phillies somehow came away with like three or four people infected from the oh, Marlins yeah. playing against them, I think that'll be game over. And I think that's like to your point when we were talking about that earlier, if the Phillies don't get it, that's good, but it doesn't like it, I mean it's like a it's a good sign, but it doesn't mean like everything. But if half the Phillies team got sick too just by playing against the Marlins, then that's a bad sign. That's like, oh wow, we can get this way easier than you know, a lot of people thought, well, it's outside, you're like, like that's not gonna happen, you know. Yeah, uh, I think it, it basically if 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 they don't get it, it's not dispositive. I think it's just you know we're kicking it down on the road a little bit more. If the Phillies do have it, then it's over. Like right. there's no way they're having the rest of the season. And that would change my thinking because I really believe that the Phillies probably aren't going to have it. Like if you're playing that, I would think like so that. too. I, I I don't. It just everything we know about transmission wouldn't indicate that like even standing next to somebody on the base paths for a little bit, like the likelihood of getting it is small because yeah. you're in a very ventilated, I mean, or open air stadium. Right. Um, it's so. more the locker room. It's more, you know, yeah. the clubhouse, that stuff. Concentrated right? areas. That makes sense. Like if, if somebody on a team has it, I'll buy that more people on that team are going to get it. It's just between teams. That seems harder. Yeah. Now I, I don't know. A catcher has it standing. I don't know. You could, you could talk to me about different ways it could happen, but it just seems much less likely. Yeah. That I mean, but it would, it definitely would change the way I feel like, I, I mean, I'm no expert, but like you kind of feel like, like, I think that's safer than this or that or whatever. Yeah. That to me, that seems safer what they're doing, just playing each other. But there's a problem. Everything else around playing each other is where football yeah. is different. Football, I think is not going to be a safe playing each other, but, um, but you also have all the other outside the sport too. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. 
That's uh, Dave. I'm Ryan. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. Bye! Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.